This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. I'm sure there'll be a few tweaks here and there, but I don't think I don't think change, you know, structure changes don't aren't, aren't drastic. Um, might be a little thing here or there, part of the game plan. But um, you know, against another top team who has you know Stanley Cup aspirations this year, we uh, you know got to got to follow up what we did the the other night against the Kings. Yeah, huge, just on the consistency, like. You know what you're going to get out of him every single day. He brings so much passion and just so much love for all the guys and just for our like systems and everything. So uh, to have him in my corner, it's it's huge. I think he's really helped me with my consistency over this year. I think years prior, I've kind of went up a couple of good games, down a couple of good games. But I think this year, I've kind of hit my stride and kind of kept that uh, that bar pretty high. We're in a situation that's not ideal. And when we have room to call guys up, it's because other players are injured. And so... Um, you know, we can't overlook that, that we need to have those guys back. But uh, now it gives us an opportunity to look at some players uh, we otherwise wouldn't have been able to. And, and there's a lot of good stuff happening with, with uh, the players in Syracuse. The coach has done a great job with them. Well, yes, that was a lot of sound coming in. John Cooper at the end. And uh, I think we had Nick Paul in there. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Greg Linelli with you, along with the radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Mishkin. We also have Austin Wright, not to be confused with Austin Watson, producing <laughs> this show. I was going to say the Hall of Famer because I'm so used to saying, you know, Dave Mishkin and the Hall of mm. Famer, Phil Esposito. I don't want to give Austin too big of a head calling him a Hall of Famer. He, he did a Hall yet. of Fame job with those opening clips. It was actually Calvin DeHaan. Engage Gonsalves, who is going to yeah. make his NHL debut tonight. And then Cooper talking a little bit about the unfortunate part of this equation is related to the injuries the Lightning have had. But the flip side is opportunities for guys to, to come up. And we've had a handful now making their NHL debuts. Gonsalves will be that? the fourth in the last, what, three games? Do we want to get into a little By background? Getting, oh, actually, fourth in the last four games. Yes. The last game, do nobody we, made a made an NHL debut. But what do we make of, of? Let's let's jump into it because we were going to talk about the Devils, and we will do that. And yeah, we have a special guest coming up, don't yeah, we? Yeah, Matt Lockwood, just a longtime radio Lockwood. voice of the Devils. So Pittsburgh these, connection, right? Pittsburgh yeah, connection. Is there a Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh connection? Did he do? Or who am I thinking of? That did You're thinking uh, of Pittsburgh Matt games. McConnell. That's it. In Arizona. Yeah, Matt Lachlan has been in that market. I mean, goodness. We'll have to ask him. Stanley Cups? Oh, yeah. I mean, he wasn't always doing the play-by-play, but he was always covering the team. I think he's done the play-by-play for probably about 15 years now. We can ask him when he comes in, when he finishes stuff with the Devils. But what I was going to say is, before we get into Gonsalves, these two teams statistically are very similar. Yeah. The Devils have scored a bit more than the Lightning. Actually, their goals for number is is very close, but the Devils have played fewer games. So their average is a little bit higher. Both teams have struggled mightily defensively. Both teams have an excellent power play for much of the year in the top three with the Rangers. And both teams are, are struggling to, to gain points because right now, they are, well, the Lightning are on the outside looking in. Are the Devils technically out of a wild card? I think I heard they were fifth in their division. That's bunched the, up. The point, is, like in the, the point is they're going to need a strong second half, just like the Lightning. Very similar teams. 
I would say the one difference, and Matt got into this a little bit when I chatted with him earlier this morning, the Devils have had more long-term injury issues than the Lightning have had. Now, the Lightning have had injuries, and they're currently dealing with injuries. But specifically on the blue line, the Devils lost Dougie Hamilton fairly early. They've been without Timo Meyer for a substantial amount of time. They've been out, been without Tomasz Nosek, who's, you know, he played an important role on their team last year. He's kind of like a, a fourth-line guy. He has been out, how many games has Nosek played? Six games, and he got hurt. I, I wanted to say last, last year he was with the Bruins, and he played an important depth role with the Bruins. This is his first year with the Devils, and so they've missed him. And as a result, like the Lightning have inexperience on the blue line. The Devils have inexperience and, and by age youth on the blue line. They have their top two picks from 2021 and 2022 playing on defense for them. One of them is Luke Hughes. And I don't know how long it's going to be before Luke is included in the same conversation as his brothers because this guy is is taking the NHL by storm. I mean, there's a chance he could get voted to the All-Star game, Greg, in which case he would have all three brothers playing in the All-Star game. I think I read it would be the first time in NHL history that that happened. And if he gets there, it's not due to some, like, skewed fan vote like he's earned it he's taken over their number one power play even before Hamilton got hurt he is a massive stud and then they have uh, a guy they took second overall in 2022 he's from Slovakia Shimon Nemitz is how you say his name and I'm not sure that they wanted him to be in the NHL at this point but with the injuries they've had on defense and they just lost Jonas Siegenthaler who did play in their team last year and had a very impactful year with the Devils. He is out long term. They they've had to they've had to call up some guys. So Nemitz came up, Siegenthaler just got hurt, but Nemitz's recall coincided with the Hamilton injury. So look, they've got some youth on defense and they're having trouble keeping the puck out of their net. Yeah. That is kind of like the lightning. Yeah. So it should be a good game is what yeah. you're telling us. <laughs> well I don't know Do if it's you... gonna be eight seven, but I think both teams know. both teams would not sign up for that. Both teams, their coaches want their goals against to come down. It just hasn't happened yet. Do you think, with all of that being said, what's more important, though, are the two points? However what is more important though. are the two points, yes. Yes, because, you know, we I think we're beyond the, what does John Cooper always say? Process over <laughs> yeah. outcome. I think we're at the point uh, he's now. He's still where we saying some... that, probably. I think he's probably still saying that. I mean, I think the Lightning are in a position where they need the the outcome at this point. And like you said, you look at the standings today, and again, you have to put a little asterisk next to all of this because the Lightning have played a few more games than the yeah. other teams. But this is a big game from the standpoint that the Devils are right behind them, even though they've got four games in hand. You win here tonight, you're up at 47, and the Devils stay at 44. And then, I mean, what a – I mean, look at some of these teams. Just Washington, Pittsburgh, and Detroit. All at 44, Dave. Mm-hmm. I mean, did Washington come down to earth a little bit? You know, it seemed like they were the talk of the the town for a few weeks. They're out of a playoff spot. Now, they're look, they're four points behind Philly for even third place in the Metro. So it's not like they have fallen off the face of the earth. But, boy, for a while there, there was some conversation. Boy, look at Washington. Look what they're doing. And, you know, okay. 
they're still out of a playoff spot right now. You know, it's, I think, perspective. Right. With all of that. Well, as we've often said, though, if you can defend, you're going to put yourself in a position to get points. And that is one thing the Capitals have done pretty consistently this year. They have kept the puck out of their own net. They haven't scored as much as probably a lot of people figured. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's a fair point. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation. But you mentioned all the, the hits to the the roster injury-wise has been an issue for them. And Devils had turnover, too, from last year. Last year they yeah. had a great regular season. Yeah. They won over 50 games. They won 28 games on the road last year during the regular season. And Was actually, that the Andre Pilat effect? Sorry? Was that the Andre Pilat effect? Maybe so. I don't know. This year, even though let's call it a middling season, they've played 18 road games. They've won 12 of them. So yeah. their issues this year, to the extent that they have they have not kept pace with where they were last year, it's really been what they've done at home. Because if you figure, they've played 18 road games, and they're going to be playing 41. I mean, they're they're basically on pace again to win the 28 on the road. Yeah. They'd have to they'd have to keep this pace. I don't know if that's going to happen. And for a team that has been allowing a lot of goals, that's surprising that they're 12 and six on the road. The Lightning have a a mirror opposite record on the road. The Lightning have done much better at home than the sure. Devils have. But last year's team, I think, surprised some people because they had such a great year while they were expected to take steps forward. They took a giant leap forward, and they beat the Rangers in a playoff series, and they lost to a very good Carolina team in round two. So, okay, that's a step. that's a step forward in terms of getting in the playoffs, winning a round. Now let's take another step forward this year, and it just hasn't happened. But part of that, to be fair, they've had some roster turnover. Some of it was unavoidable. Ryan Graves signed in Pittsburgh as a free agent, so they were unable to keep him. They traded Yegor Sharangovich to Calgary. He's a guy I've always liked, and he scored against the Lightning earlier this year to get Tyler Toffoli. And Toffoli's had a good offensive year, but that was a choice the Devils made. Severson left. I believe he was a free agent. I'm checking his his situation right now. He's in Columbus, and no, they traded him. So I don't know how some of uh, if some of this was was cap related, why they made some of these moves, but they surrendered some of their experience at the expense of. Maybe freeing up some money. Yeah. And maybe they wanted Luke Hughes came up at the end of last year. So Luke Hughes was going to take a spot this year. I'm not sure if, if some of these other guys they have on D were, were expected to play as much as they have. And they made a choice in the Sharon Govich trade. You liked him as a player. Yeah, he kind of, it was strange. He had such a good year two years ago, and then last year his minutes just dropped precipitously. Yeah. And his production dropped. He had 13 goals last year after he scored 24 the year before. And he only played in three of their playoff games. They won two. Uh, they went two rounds. So for whatever reason, it's not even like you can say, well, he got a new coach, right? Lindy Ruff was his coach two years ago when he scored the 24 goals. And he was his coach last year when he scored far fewer and, and, and saw a diminished role. This team, though, can score. Luke Hughes is out. Pilat is out. 
Meyer is out, but they still have offensive firepower. Jesper Bratt is picking up right where he left off last year. He's having a terrific offensive season. Dawson Mercer is a really skilled forward. He's got 12 goals this year, so he's basically on pace. He hit 27 last year. He's basically right on pace. Toffoli's been scoring. Toffoli has 16 goals. All that's really positive for them. Michael McLeod, who's having maybe a, a record-setting year in the faceoff circle. I mean, we're approaching the halfway point of the year, Greg. Michael McLeod leads all NHL players in faceoff percentage. 66.2%. People are like, well, what does that mean? Usually the very top player or players in the NHL are in the low 60s, maybe. Sometimes you see a league leader in that 58-59 range. More than 61 or 62 at this point in the season is very rare. To be over 65 is crazy. It's crazy. I wonder if, if that is the highest face-off percentage this late in the season in recorded NHL history. Now, they haven't tracked right. the stat going back to the days that you know Phil was playing and, and before then. But not only is he very, very good in the circle, clearly he's got 10 goals this year. He's already set a career high in goals. Yeah. He's also plus 12 on a team that's allowed more goals than they've scored, which is pretty impressive. He's having a good year. My point is that they are scoring. They are, they are a team that can fill the net. And so the Lightning year will be put to the test, kind of what you were saying. What kind of game are we going to see tonight? Which makes it all fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just you never, don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get. And I think the Lightning have an opportunity here. You know, Vanacek, is that, you know, who they've gone with? And he's been, you know, the numbers don't suggest he's been elite, even good, except for the win total. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so I wonder if if that's a product of the team that's playing in front of him, too. 88 save percentage partner that's not great yeah and he had a very yeah. good statistical year last year but yeah the devils were a top 10 defensive team last year for sure and i think that's something we'll kind of you know keep in mind at bolts radio if you want to get involved in the conversation what do you make of the game tonight between tampa bay and new jersey and i think two teams let's face it coming in i think it's fair to say most people thought they were going to be playoff teams. Yeah. You know, and, and now you have them kind of fighting for for their playoff, quote-unquote, lives if if you want to be, you know, hyperbolic, um, which some people have, and that's, that's yeah. fine. I think and some I, teams I, have upset the apple cart in the Metro. Philly certainly has. Do people expect the Islanders to do as well as they've done so far this year? Maybe. I, I think the Flyers are definitely a surprise, though. And the Devils have been yeah. surprising in that they have they have kind of stumbled and bumbled their way through the first half, as have the Lightning. Right. Matt is going to be coming here shortly, so let's get to the Gonsalves news. What do you make? I mean, we've seen him a little bit, I mean, a lot maybe in training camp as mm -hmm. a, you know, somebody with some skill offensively. Another one of those young players we've heard about over the last couple of years that I think a lot of people want to see partner – can he get a longer look for the Lightning in terms of being up here at the NHL and playing for an extended period of time? Because some people have said, look, do they need an infusion of youth? And we've mm -hmm. seen the back end. Do we see it at the forward position? Well, what's interesting about this recall, the Lightning are going to be scratching a forward. 
So this recall was not required, if that makes sense. They could have they could have kept the same lineup that they used the other night against the Kings. But I think in this instance, Gonsalves has earned the shot. He was just named to the AHL All-Star team. He's at basically a point per game for Syracuse this year, 30 points in 33 games. He is a former second-round pick. Now he was the, the final player taken in the second round, but you know he is relative to other guys the Lightning have drafted in the last several years. He is a high pick for the Lightning. And what Coop said when asked about Gonsalves this morning, he said what he's learned to do is take some of the risk out of his game. And and the clip that we heard from Gonsalves himself was that he has found more consistency in his game. I, I think basically the, what he said in the clip was, what I, I'd have a couple of good games and then a couple of bad games, and, and the coaching staff in Syracuse has helped me kind of smooth that out. So, look, he's got offensive ability. When Coop says, you know, he's had to take some of the risk out of his game, I mean, that's something that Coop talks about team-wide, but basically playing the right way, not not cheating defense for offense. And sometimes it takes players a little bit longer to learn that. Sometimes it takes players a little less time to learn that. Gonsalves is in his third pro season. So I would say that he, at this point, is a relatively seasoned AHL player. Yeah, I think that's fair. And so I think he's ready. He's ready. I mean, this is a, a little different than maybe a guy who, I mean, I don't want to use Lilleberg necessarily as an example because he had some experience playing in Sweden. But, you know, Lilleberg has had to adjust to the smaller rink, different culture, new country, new team, and halfway through the year, he's playing in the NHL. This is this is a little different for Gonsalves because he knows the system. He's been in Syracuse for two and a half years. He's seen other guys, his teammates, go up and play for the Lightning and, and sometimes stay with the Lightning. So good for him. We'll see how he does. Matt Lachlan is here, by the way. Hello, Dave. Matt, how welcome are you? to the show. So Thank we you. were trying to remember, Matt. Actually, Greg asked me, and I couldn't remember. I said, Matt has been with the Devils as long as I can remember, but you covered the team before you did play-by-play, right? So how long have you covered the team, and then how long has it been since you've been doing the play-by-play? So 18 years, starting backwards, and let me take this mint out. (laughs) Yes. So your listeners are... (laughs) Thank goodness we're on radio. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, 18 years on the radio. Before that, for about 10 years, I covered them full-time on the TV side, doing pre-game, post-game intermissions filling in for Doc Emmerich when he would be away on a national assignment. And when this job opened up, and before that, I was working for a local cable company, and we didn't really cover the Devils a lot, but they were part, we were more focused on high school and college, uh, but they were certainly part of our coverage. So it's been a long time. Uh, But when this job opened up, you know, we all know that TV is the tail that wags the dog a lot of times in this business. What? Right? What are you talking about? <laughs> and, I know not of what you speak, sir. I know, I know. <laughs> and and I remember discussing it with Doc and wondering uh, if even applying for it, because if you apply for it and you're offered, you got to think about whether or not you're going to take it, of course. And I said, you know, is, is, I want to do play-by-play, but this is, is this the right thing? And, and he said, yes, it was. And he said uh, he gave no indication that he was leaving because – 
maybe I would have stayed around if he said, you know what, yeah. I think I'm, I'm in my next to last year or whatever. Uh, it, it's been a blessing. I mean, I've just had so much fun. It was an incredible learning curve. It is far different. Lou Lamorello, the team's general manager and everything, president and head of everything <laughs> involving the Devils, you know, he took a chance. He, he saw and heard my work filling in for Doc, but he said, hey, it's a different ball game. It's an entirely different animal. There's going to be a learning curve. And I think you'll do it, but you're going to have to work at it. And I am thankful to Lou every day. Well, let's get into the team here, Matt, a bit. We were talking about the injuries and the expectations coming in for the Devils. Kind of give us give us your synopsis of where the team is fighting for that playoff spot in a crowded East. Yeah, and I think we're going to be fighting for that spot along with Tampa Bay the rest of the way. I, I think it's just going to be that kind of a season. Uh, the Devils can get into a top three. It's not as clear as it is in the Atlantic in the Metropolitan Division. So getting a top three spot is not out of the question for the Devils. But the team that the fans will see tonight or hear tonight is not the team that they had a month ago. There's a lot of injuries and they can't play the same way. And they're going to have to be a little more cohesive. They're not going to look for the stretch pass. They can't think about the home run. They've got to just get out of their zone and tighten up defensively. That's been a problem all year long. But I think now it's a little more critical that they do that because they just don't have the weapons to overcome a two-goal deficit should that arise. So I think you're going to see not a boring Devils team because they still have a couple of high-end guys that can move the puck and score, but I think they're going to be less of a transition team and, and just more of a let's just play it safe and smart and see what happens after 60 minutes. If Luke Hughes didn't have two older brothers and you see a young defenseman come into the league, play the minutes that he's played, produce like he's produced, he's a number four overall pick, I don't know if people would would view him differently and maybe they're not viewing him differently but I guess my question to you is do you think before long Luke is going to be thought of in the same way that Jack and Quinn are thought of which is to say the best of the best in the NHL I think he's got a chance now this is his first full year in the league and so he still has a lot of proving to do but from what I've seen even going back to the last few games of last season and in the playoffs he he knows he's good Jack knows he's good Quinn knows he's good and so it's just a matter of learning the league what he's had to learn is that it is the best league in the world and there are certain chances you can take and they'll backfire if you do so he's still learning the game but he has all the requisite skills he's the biggest of them he's you know six one six two he weighs 185 pounds he can skate like the wind he's got a shot that has surprised people because he's worked on it he runs the power play as a rookie he's running the number well they were for the longest time number one now tied with Tampa three in the league so he is eating up big minutes and he is learning as he goes along so yeah absolutely the basic skills are there and as he continues to work and there's no doubt that he will because that's in the DNA as well of the Hughes family uh, I, I think those, those three guys are going to be something and the fans will recognize yeah I think Jack's the most dynamic because it's the flair it's the offensive goals i mean quinn's a terrific offensive defenseman so jack may may be the big big star but quinn and luke are right behind matt what's been the goaltending like this year so far if my partner chico resh was here he would be listening intently to see what i would say former goalie <laughs> in the national hockey league the truth of the matter is they've probably been below average 
That being the case, the defense in front of them has probably at times been below average. Uh, it's the frustration of fans everywhere, and I'm sure of coaches everywhere. Could you just get that one at that moment that might slow down the momentum that the other team has? And there have been too many times where that's not been the case this year. And so the Devils have improved defensively. They have tightened up. They've played smarter, a little simpler. They've moved the pairs around. Some of that's due to injury, but just trying to figure out what works best. And they lost a lot of experience, and so now these guys are getting it. I mean, Dougie Hamilton got hurt earlier in the year, and two veteran guys left 1v uh, free agency. Damon's, well, actually, he signed a contract, and then they traded him to Columbus, and then one That one agency. I got wrong then. I thought he had left by by free agency, and then I looked and saw he was traded. So it was it he was a that sign extra of year. trade. Yeah, he wanted that okay. extra year, right? He got the eight. And then Ryan Graves goes. Uh, and so that's a lot of games that they've lost, and they've got a very young defensive core that's learning on the fly in the best league. So – I would fault both sides. The goalies could be better for sure. Defense, particularly earlier in the year, could be better. Yet Vitek Vanacek, who's going to start in goal tonight, he's 14 and 7 and 1. So, you know, he's among the leaders in the league in wins. So there's hope that if they can continue to make strides defensively, they can make that push. So I heard the same answer from you that you just gave because we spoke earlier and the same basic response from Chico, your broadcast partner, about it's the defense. The Lightning are in a very similar boat. These two teams are very similar statistically in that they tend to score a lot, great power play, they're giving up too many goals. And what we have talked about on this show pretty much from the first week of the regular season is they are allowing too many goals, but it's team-wide. And so I'm, I'm curious to hear that you are kind of separating the defense, which is young, from the forwards, whereas I think we are looking at it as the team in front of the goaltending has not been good enough. Do you make that distinction? Like, have the forwards pulled the rope, and it's been more of a function of we got some inexperience back here and, and the D are really making mistakes. You know, and, and I, I probably – misled in my comments a little bit because no the forwards were not coming back to help out as <laughs> yeah. they should um and i think last year what a great year 52 wins you upset the rangers in the first round come back from a 2-0 deficit you win a seven game series against your arch rival and everyone thought around the league uh, th this team has arrived and they arrived a little too early and i think they would not admit it but i do believe the headlines and the clippings got to them. Like, we're just going to outscore our mistake. We're a go-go-go team. Look who we have. It's, you know, Jack Hughes. It's Jesper Pratt. It's Nico Heesha. We added Tyler Toffoli. We're just going to go-go Dougie Hamilton. And you got to come back. <laughs> you know, you, you can't be at the red line when the puck is at our dot. Like, there'll be a stretch pass that'll get through, but help us out a little bit. And then when there was a turnover, then there was nobody back to help. So the defense has benefited by the forwards getting that message a little bit more that's been a big part of the improvement as but well but how are they a top 10 defensive team last year then if they had the same mentality yeah i think they had a little more experience everything everything went right if you look at it they had very little injury woes guys played 80 81 82 games uh the goaltending probably vtech was a little above where he is i don't know that the 33 wins he had is, is reflective of what he'll be able to do moving forward. And so I, I think everything just went right. And they came out of the gate, stumbled, lost the first two. And fans may know that our crowd is firing <laughs> yeah. Lindy with a big cheer. And then as they go into a 13-game winning streak, they apologize. Sorry, Lindy. 
But everything went right for the team last year. And now they've been punched in the face a couple of times. And as Lindy says, he's trying to get this team to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so they're so they're learning. I think just last year, everything just went so smoothly. And now other teams, not that they didn't take the devil seriously. If you looked at the lineup, you'd say, OK, they've got A, B and C. But also they didn't make the playoffs last year. And, you know, do we just throw the sticks out there and we can beat them? And suddenly with speed and just momentum, you were back on your heels and the Devils were winning 52 games. The league's ready for them now. That's part of it, too. Matt Lachlan joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. What's interesting, Matt, we've we've talked about this, but I'm curious on your end. What's the Andre Pilat effect been on this team? Well, last year, you know, he came with all those games that he played here. And it's it's just amazing when you think what has happened here in Tampa with three straight finals, two championships, and all the success they've had beyond that, the amount of games played. So Andre came to the team with, you know, a little bit of a groin issue that once it was taken care of, he, you know, he came back and started to show what he was. He got off to a great start this year, but now he's back on the injured list. And I'm I'm not really sure. It's, I think it's similar to what he suffered. It's still a groin area issue. Um, But you guys know him here. He's not scoring 25, 30 goals. That's not who he is. What he is is the guy who stole the puck along the boards in a 0-0 game seven, killing a penalty, took it away from the Rangers, floated one in front to Michael McLeod, who scored the first goal in route to a 4 nothing win in game seven. It's that attention to detail, the professionalism, the hardness that he displays along the boards, and he brings that to the team. So, uh, he has, because of injury, probably not been able to do as much as he would have liked, but I don't think Tom Fitzgerald is regretting the decision to sign him at all. You can't have too many Stanley Cup winners on your team, and, uh, you know, Andre is just, he's the best. Tell us about your other young defenseman who was a high draft pick, if I'm saying his name right, Shimon Nemitz. And would he be up if not for the injuries? Was this kind of in the plan, and how is he acclimated to the NHL? He has been... Terrific with a capital T, but I don't know if he would have been up at this point. He had an up and down camp. Now, he thought it was better than it turns out to be. And so he was very disappointed that he got sent down to Utica. And in the first game down there, he got hurt. Big check uh, in front of the bench, and he was out for a few games. So combine that with he didn't have a bad attitude. I don't want to say there's no reports of that, but. You know, he's a 19-year-old kid who thinks he should be in the NHL, and now it's 3-3, three and three and it's riding buses, and mm-hmm. why am I not up there? And so it took him a while to say, okay, let me settle down here, and he did. He, he's been unbelievable. I mean, he's playing over 20 minutes a game. He's getting some power play time. He had a little bit more maybe two, three weeks ago, but they've pulled that back. But he's controlled at the blue line. He's reading plays well. He's got size, so he can play and eventually – you know, they're hoping that he's got a 15-year career, but he'll be able to play a physical game, battle in front with bigger players. Luke is not as big, but he'll beat you with his speed and long sticks, uh, whereas Nemitz will play a little more physically. And he has an offensive element, which he has put in the back burner a little bit because he understands the other side is what's going to keep him here, and he's learned that lesson well. Hey, listen, Luke Hughes is 20. Shimon is 19. The future looks bright. Those yeah. two guys are cornerstones for sure. Look, with all of those injuries that Matt, that the Devils have been dealing with, they're high-end guys. And, and without stating the obvious, is there somebody maybe that we haven't mentioned that 
you feel like you know they they really do miss his presence on the ice to solidify wherever wherever he is. I would say now with another injury on the blue line that the absence of Dougie Hamilton is really showing. Jonas Siegenthaler broke his foot the other day. And so now we mentioned the losses, uh, the changes over the summer, and then Dougie gets hurt. Now Siegenthaler gets hurt, and you're like, okay. Uh, Hamilton, we know what he is. He's a dynamo, and he can make some mistakes, but he can make up for those mistakes. And I think that his presence is now particularly being missed with all the injuries. On the other side, on on the forward side of things, uh, you know, I think the absence of Palat is one that that doesn't seem obvious because he's not scoring goals. But the other things that he brings, he adds depth and, you know, like I said, uh, terrific professional and will score the timely goal. So Timo Myers, he would seem to be the apparent one that you would really miss, but he's not been the guy that scored 40 goals last year. He's still struggling to find a role on this team. You know, he had 17 power play goals last year. He's not seeing a lot of power play time this year. And so I think he's just kind of struggled with a third-line role, sometimes up a little higher. So they do they miss him? Absolutely. By the end of the year, does he need to be better? Yes, and he could be an important piece or should be an important piece in any kind of a playoff run. But right now I would say Palat. I mean, Jack Hughes, you take him out of the lineup, you're taking a dynamic player out. But, uh, you know, they played five games earlier without him and now a couple here. So they've been able to withstand it long term, though I, I don't know if that's the best path for success. So, yeah, Jack's the obvious, but I think Andre is the one that might not be so obvious. Last one for me, Matt. Explain to me what happened to Yegor Sharangovich, because I remember seeing him two years ago and being so impressed. And he has a knack for scoring goals against the Lightning. He has a knack for scoring goals against Andre Vasilevsky. It happened again this year in Calgary. He had 24 goals two years ago, and as the team elevates, you figured he would elevate with the team, and it just didn't happen last year. And I understand you got to Foley in the trade, but what happened to this guy? Yeah, and, and you know, he was an outstanding penalty killer, too, and, and the Devil's PK is not as good as it was last year, so uh, he's missed on that end. I, I think they just looked at it as the analytics and money people do like okay where is he going to be in a couple of years where will we be in a couple of years what is he going to cost us in a couple of years and can we do something to help this year i I think that's all it 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 had to do with he was a great personality in the dressing room if you don't bring it to the ice that's a problem but he did but his role was reduced last year yes i mean his production went way down yeah yeah for sure and and I, i couldn't really tell you exactly why uh, it, it's not like suddenly they brought in five top yeah. <laughs> two line players. I mean, it was pretty much the guys he had. I, I, you know, I, I don't know where it went wrong, but he has bounced back in Calgary, and we're happy for him. But uh, they do miss him on the PK. That's that's for sure. Yeah. His speed's got good speed. His shot is deceptive. Uh, but they wanted to Foley. They wanted another Stanley Cup winner. They wanted to add Understood. that to the dressing room. Thank Matt, you before I let you go on that, <laughs> yeah. it was good. Matt, before we let you go, just in general, thoughts on the Eastern Conference, where it is, any surprises here in Tampa Bay? We're we're not used to kind of where they've been and kind of up and down. But what do you make of the East in general? Well, it's going to be a dogfight, right? I mean, the Rangers have gotten off to a great start, but now over the last twenty games or so, they're just about five hundred. But their good start will support them the rest of the way. Uh, I, I think I've been frankly 
I, I wasn't sure what Florida was. You know, they, they crept into the playoffs last year. I know they went to the final. I just wasn't sure. And they're proven to be uh, the real deal. Uh, I think the Islanders start surprised me because I just don't see it. I see them fairly regularly. I just don't see this as a playoff team. But they're there. Philly has been a big surprise uh, as well. The, and and a little bit of a surprise, but I, I think they suffer the same issues as the Devils in terms of expectations. I thought Buffalo would be a little better. They've got so much young talent, but you know maybe they're just a year away from really blossoming. So those are a couple of the things that I that I have viewed as as these. But it's going to be a heck of a battle. I mean, it's just, I mean, Detroit has won three in a row, and now they've got 44 points too. It's you know. You have, you have a good week, everybody loves you, you have a bad week, <laughs> and you cr- crawl into the edge of, of the, 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 uh, the roof. Well, thank you, sir, for coming on. We uh, always appreciate the, uh, the analysis, and we will catch you at the rink here later tonight. Thank you so much for the invite, fellas, and uh, let's have a good one tonight. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Should be a good one. Matt Laughlin joining us here on the program. And if you want to react to anything he had to say, you can at Bolts Radio. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli. Austin is our broadcast assistant and a team that's dealing with some stuff, partner. You know, it, yeah. it's, every year is not di- every year is different. It's you know what? not identical. I loved how he framed last year. The way he framed last year, he said everything went their way. That's part of it, right? There are certain years where, like, you're driving down the road and just as you reach that stoplight, it turns green, right? <laughs> you don't even have to slow up. And there are other years when it's stop and go, right? I think they did catch some teams a little bit by surprise last year. For sure. And that happens. What do they always say, partner? It's easy to, uh, I'm I'm paraphrasing, it's easy to get to the top of the mountain. It's harder to stay. Yeah. Ascending. Ascending. Because teams are not viewing you the same way. The year right. that it happened for the Lightning the second time, I was there when it happened the first time because my first year with the Lightning, 0203, they had only made the playoffs once. And while yeah. I think internally they felt that the end of the 0102 season, they were taking steps in the right direction. It was not reflected really in their record. And they came out of the gates really well that year and surprised a lot of teams. And they ended up winning their division. And, and then ended up winning a playoff round as well. The second time it happened, while I was here, while I have been here, was John Cooper's first full season. So the Lightning had made the Eastern Conference Final in 2011, but that was an outlier year because they missed the playoffs in, what, the three years prior to 11 and then the two subsequent years. So they'd missed the playoffs five out of six years. And they were coming off a pretty disappointing 2013 regular season. That was the shortened season due to the lockout. And they caught some teams by surprise. They had Palat. They had Johnson. They had Gudis. They had Kalorn. There was a lot of, who are these guys? That was Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop kind of elevated himself into the conversation of who are the top goalies in the NHL. Bishop wasn't even close to being in that conversation prior to 13-14. And it's a fun year when that happens for the team, for the fans, because we talked about expectations. There's nothing better. Well, I don't know if there's nothing better, but 
there's a lot worse than when you have low to moderate expectations and you blow those expectations out of the water. That's a lot of fun. That's what the Devils experienced last year. They did. And how do you maintain it? It's hard to I do. I think that's, that's... Well, you can maintain it if you have a really good team. And and the Devils, like, there's no doubting their skill. Goodness gracious. Jack Hughes. Jesper Bratt. Luke Hughes. They have some guys who can play on their team. But they've been loosey-goosey. You want to take some questions? Yeah, let's do it. Nick says, do we see Julian Brisois trying to get the worm back in Tampa? Meaning Corey Perry. Meaning Corey Perry. I just read the story, by the way. Was it yesterday? Might have been in The Athletic. What story? And maybe that came out. Basically, just he was dealing with um, substance abuse, alcohol, I think. Well, I knew is- that he addressed that when he stepped away. So maybe that was an old article. I felt like it was yesterday that I Well, it may have just come it. out yesterday. I remember him saying yeah, yeah. that when the Hawks, whatever they did, they terminated his contract, and he said, I'm going to take some time away. But, I mean, he's eligible to be signed. If you were asking me my opinion, I think the Lightning have closed the chapter on that. But what do I know? I'm not the GM. Yeah, yeah also, I don't Also, we think don't they know do, if Corey Perry is, is at a place where he can come back right now. Maybe he's still... Yeah, and his mind space is not right. I mean, we just don't know. We wish him the best. I mean, he was he was his popular teammate for a guy yeah. who was not here very long, and he wasn't. He was only here two years. He was his popular teammate, yeah, and as popular a player for the coaches as I can remember. For a guy who came in briefly, essentially. For sure. I, th- I think I read he has until March 8th to sign with a team to be eligible to be on the playoff All right. roster. Well, I so, I mean, you still got a couple of months. But let's keep in mind, sure. too, like if you're away from the game for months, yep. I mean, he's not 22 anymore. So any team that's interested in him would have to take that into consideration. But isn't 35 the new 22? <laughs> yeah. It should be, right? That's what I tell myself. Uh Jay has a personal question, Miss. She goes, uh, Dave, I know you grew up in the Northeast. Who was your favorite team growing up? Bruins, Rangers, Whalers, Sabres, or another? And what is your hometown? Yeah, I'm not sure I have a hometown. You've been everywhere, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, kind of. I was born in New York City, right in the city. I grew up on the Upper West Side. I shouldn't say, I, I mean, does it count if you leave when you're nine? I did a lot I of growing know. up after yeah. that. But I like the, the Rangers are one of the first teams that I liked in hockey. And I don't know about you, Greg. I think I kind of became aware of professional sports and rooting for teams. I was probably maybe six or seven. So it's not like I was in New York a long time (laughs) as a sports fan. But I do remember liking the Rangers. Do you remember Phil? I do remember Phil. Phil? Yeah, Yeah, I don't remember him with the Bruins. But a year after we moved to Massachusetts was when the Rangers got to the Stanley Cup final 1979 and Phil was a big part of that team and I do remember following them in that playoff year and hoping they would do well and then yeah I became more of a Boston sports fan which probably doesn't sit very well with with Lightning fans but most Tampa Bay sports teams didn't exist at that time the only team that existed at that time was the Buccaneers and they didn't even play 
nor do they still in the same conference as the Patriots. And the Patriots were were very, very bad when I was growing up, with the exception of the one year that they got to the Super Bowl and got demolished by Chicago. That was uh, the Mike Ditka coached Bears team that won that Super Bowl, whatever it was, 46 to 10 or something like that. But the other sports teams were, were competitive to very good. The Celtics, the Bruins, and the Red Sox. And yeah. so, yeah, those are the teams that I follow. But you know what? I don't know if you feel this way, Greg. Once I started working in professional sports, and I spent 11 years in the minors, so much of your energy and focus goes to the team that you are covering. I think some of the the fan in me went away. It wasn't quite as as passionate for, for teams other than the ones that I was covering. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I don't know if you I think you've kind of said that about because you grew up cheering for Pittsburgh teams, but then you worked in the same market. And then I worked in that market. So it was the same teams that you were covering. I know. But you have said that you you started viewing them a little differently, right? You had to, but you have to, to be credible. Yeah. And that's that's what you strive for. So you couldn't be – and I – look, I I think there's there's a few things that separate – an interesting host, an informative host, maybe even a good host from a fan that puts on headsets and talks about their home team. I think you've got to be able to take the emotion out of the equation. It's hard to do, Mm -hmm. but that's one of the things that I had to do. You know, when I talked about the Steelers, (laughs) uh, Pirates were easy um, because you could be pretty frank, but the Steelers and the and the Penguins, I can remember, I think I, I've told you this story before. I was doing the the post-game show for the, the Pirates radio network, and we were doing the call-in show. And I had to be pretty critical of the team. And I can remember the general manager <laughs> of the Pirates calling our station and questioning why I was being that critical. But I felt like I owed it to the listeners to give them what I perceive to be an accurate view of the team. Mm -hmm. And I think people appreciated that. When you're doing play-by-play for a team, it may be a bit different than what me and you are doing right now in this setting. Although I I do play-by-play for the team, and I'm doing what we're doing in this setting. Well, no, but I mean, I think it's good to to see emotion when you're calling, when you're doing the... The, there's I an understanding there. There's an understanding. Saying. Yeah. But I think you would do a really good job when you come on this setting to take some of that emotion away from yeah. calling the game and saying, okay, here's how I see the lightning. You want the lightning to win every game. So do I. I mean, that's that goes without saying. And people understand that when you call a game partner, how passionate you are. And I think that's what people love and appreciate. I think they also appreciate we're able to come on here for an hour and say, look, it, it's not all great for the Lightning. Here are some things we're seeing. And I, I do think you have to take the emotion. It's like when you write an email to somebody who you disagree with and you're really fired up and you want to send that email <laughs> and it's very emotional. It's always good to, to like give a, you know 30 minutes, an hour, maybe even a day to kind of sleep on it and then come back, take the emotion out of it. Yeah. And I think it becomes more impactful. That's, that's how I would... I would approach it, but I, I think you've you've obviously done that, and um, I think that's why people appreciate listening to this show, at least, I hope. Jay also says, hey, guys, Mott changed his stick position from in front of his body to the right in his feet. Uh, 
which changes the angle of the shot from likely going into Talbot's crest to the far open side of the net. Pretty cool. So I think he's yeah. I didn't notice that. Game. Yeah. It was such a bang bang play. It was it was something I didn't notice. Good but observation. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Yeah. Good observation. Uh, Basil says we've come to learn that there are no easy games in the NHL, but these next three seem critical because they are all winnable games on our home ice. There have been a few times that the Lightning have played with authority, but this would be a good time to start. I agree. I don't. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. Yeah. It, it feels like we've been saying that though for the last two weeks. Would you agree? Maybe even longer. It feels like the Lightning have lost more than they have won this year. I guess if you count the the overtime shootout losses they have but i think because they have had an inconsistent year but the reality is that they have had neither long winning streaks nor we'll call them long losing streaks or losing stretches i mean yeah they've had a whatever a three-game losing streak and they had a four-game losing streak but they haven't had like the the two seven and one stretches that maybe some yeah. teams have had. The Devils themselves, I think, in their game by game, I saw they had a stretch of one and six in a seven game span. The Lightning have avoided that, but they also have not benefited from long winning or point streaks, or even if they had a regulation loss in there, something like a seven one and one. And so it's been either right, and they need to. They need to avoid, certainly, any of the negative streaks, and they need some positive streaks. I think that we are in agreement on that front, that if they are going to make a charge up the standings in the second half and get into a position where they can qualify for the playoffs, they're going to need maybe more than one of those, like, eight one-and-one type stretches. That'll help you a lot if you can get a few of those. Carolina's kind of done it. I mean, I'm looking at the Metro right now. Carolina's in second place. But, you know, they're 6-1-3 and three in their last 10. One regulation loss in 10. That'll help. Because for a while there, they were kind of stumbling around hockey 500, right? By hockey 500, I'm talking about wins and regulation losses. Right now, they have 22 wins and 13 regulation losses. So they've they've been able to build some separation there, and that's what you need. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think we're at a point now where unless the Lightning kind of reel off 10 straight wins and get back into that playoff position pretty comfortably, I, I think we're in a dogfight here Yeah. until the end of the year. I, I do. And um, don't minimize the impact the trade deadline could have on this team. That's, to me, the biggest X factor in addition to the Lightning finding their game with the core group of players, with all of the players they have currently on the team now. That is something to just keep in mind as as we march towards the end of the year here. At Bolts Radio, uh, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. Thomas also says, from Yanni to everyone else, what is going to be the reaction to the players returning during their thank you videos? Bogo, Killer, Maroon. Well, I'm sure it's going to be very emotional for them. Yeah. It's going to be very think. emotional for Kalorn, I think. Heck yeah. I mean, I think that's yeah. the biggest one. It's right? going to be his I mean... first one, right? Maroon has had these before, as has Bogosian. And Bogosian, I mean, Kalorn's got history there. I mean, he came up with Coop, yeah. right? Yep. Along with Palat, right? I mean, that's basically, yep. you know. 
mean, when you when you talk about guys who have been there, done that, it's it's something to that. That's the emotional side of sports that sometimes we don't take into consideration. That can be pretty pretty interesting. But that's kind of I think where those players are coming back. And do they wish they all could stay with the Lightning? Probably, but in a cap world, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Guys move on and. Look, we're having conversations about Steven Stamkos, for goodness sake. So if we're having conversations about Steven Stamkos staying a, a member of the Lightning for life, guys like Alex Kalorn and Andre Pilat and Tyler Johnson partner a little easier to move on from from that perspective because it does become a business decision Yeah. in addition to a production situation. Because I think you could make the argument all those guys who have moved on from the Lightning, the quote-unquote core guys, would you agree – it was more about finances than production. We can quibble about production, and we can say, look, Tyler Johnson maybe wasn't the same (laughs) player he was five years ago when he was with the Lightning in his prime. He also had a different role, and I think there was just different different players up here performing at a higher level. But I think think if you were to weigh it percentage-wise, it would weigh more on the side of business than production. Yes, I agree. And, you know, some... So sometimes they had to make moves because there was no money left. And I think Ryan McDonough falls into that category. There's no way if the Lightning had cap room that they would have traded Ryan McDonough. That was certainly a a move made 99.9% due to the money. But then you have guys like Kalorn, and the Lightning would have liked to have kept Kalorn. And they offered him a contract. It just they weren't in a position to offer what other teams could offer. And that's what you have to be careful about in free agency if you're the team who's bringing in a new player. Is that in free agency, you are typically overpaying. That's what it is. I mean, in any sport. Yeah. You're competing against other teams. Usually. Or multiple teams, probably, for their services. You know, the ones who don't get any interest who you can then sign at a team-friendly contract and you still get production from that player, those are harder to come by. But, I mean, take a look at free agency when that opens and look at how many times have we come on the air and we've done it with Lightning players and said, man, that was a... I mean, how can you justify paying somebody that type of money? I mean, you could have made the case that that was with Alex Kalorn at his age and the wear and tear and Mm -hmm. for the amount of money. Now I know teams have a way to circumvent the system, whether you front load, back load, whatever that is to make the contract, not as egregious if the player's performance starts to go downhill, but especially with the cap, the way it's been the last couple of years, I think you really have to pick and choose who you're willing to overspend to bring that player in because that's what you're going to be doing for the most part in free agency. Yeah, I agree. And for a team with like that. the Lightning, you're just not going to you're not going to take that risk. And the cap has I don't know if it's I mean it has leveled it. But some teams are limited like before we had a cap, then it literally went to the highest bidder always, right? Or maybe not yeah, always, it did. but yeah, right. there was no limit to what a team could offer. If you were willing to spend the money, you that offered it, right? Now yeah. it's a little bit more complicated because you may not have the money. You may want to spend the money, but you just don't have it, right, available right. because of the cap. And then if you're on the receiving end and you're the player in free agency, 
you have to make a decision. Am I going to a place that is offering me more money, but they may be offering me more money because they have more space, meaning that they may be less good, and do I feel they're going to get good? Or am I going to, right now, what is going to be perceived as a a more legit contender, but because they are a contender, they can't offer me as much. That's the dynamic now. That is, I that think. is true. Yeah. No, I think that's a valid point. Appreciate everybody who joined us today and listened. It was a lively show. We're going to do it again tomorrow, noon to one, and it'll be fun to hopefully talk about a lightning victory. And uh, all of you for listening, again, we, uh, we appreciate that greatly. Matt Lachlan, thank him as yes. well for coming on. And uh, anytime we get that perspective from the opposing team, we enjoy it. Partner, great job. I will see you in a few hours. Yeah, see you tonight. You got it. Thanks to Austin Wright, not to be confused with Austin Watson. We appreciate all his hard work. I am Greg Linelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow in this setting right here on Lightning Radio.